I'm Romney Navarro, and this is Firestarters, a streamlined funding podcast where entrepreneurs share their stories, passions, and the formulas fueling their success. Each week, we talk to extraordinary people about what they do, why they do it, how they make a difference, and how they inspire the people around them. Now, it's time to bring the heat. Boy, am I excited about today's guest, Chris Ragland, my man, the myth, the legend. Three reasons to stay tuned, guys. One, because this guy's going to tell you what's happening in the capital markets, where the money's going. Two, because he's going to tell you how the things that we're doing are going to change your game by creating new products. And three, because he's a badass. Successful investors use leverage to get the most from their investments. Streamline Funding provides project financing for home builders and entrepreneurs all across the state of Texas. Visit StreamlineFunding.com or give us a call at 512-250-8575 and speak with a Streamline representative today. We have infinite funding, resources, and expertise to help you grow your business. All right. What are we talking about again? I have no idea, Rodney. What are we talking about? I have no idea either. I think that's going to make today's show so special because we literally prepped for seven seconds. That's because we work together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you are wondering who this weirdo is on on my airwaves, his name is Sir Christopher Ragland. Um, He was recently knighted. No, he wasn't. But he is actually one of the smartest dudes I know, and I'm so happy to have him here. He's also my business partner, so I kind of have a little... I got a little lucky there to work with one of the smartest people you know is kind of a, a blessing, especially when you are probably the dumbest person you know, speaking of myself. Um, but dude, Chris, welcome. Thank you. We've been talking about it for a while. Um, what you guys may not know, Chris is the founder of the Noble Capital Radio Hour, which is Noble Capital, our parents' parent company. It's a it's radio state or it's radio show. So you've been and doing podcasts. We do both. Ew, you get more listens than us. I, you know, I'm not sure. The answer is no. Oh yeah, I think no. The answer is no. And in fact, guys, please listen to this one a bunch of times so that the answer (laughs) could be no. Dude, seriously, thank you. It's going to be fun. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I've been listening to, you know, your podcast for a a while now, relatively new. It's kind of exciting. You guys can have a different format, so much more exciting than what we were able to do on the radio. It's it's like conservative talk radio. It's it's not exciting at all. So yeah, so you don't need to listen to us on the radio (laughs) or our podcast. Just just hang in there with Firestarters. I think that's the way to go. And drink a little beer with us too. uh, Pause for station identification. Is that what they call it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not station identification, but a little shout out to my guys at Strangeland for supplying the Decemberfest brew here. It's actually an Oktoberfest, but it is December as we film this or record this. So... Uh, we need some new beer, guys at uh, Strange Land. That's cool. Well, cheers. Yeah. yeah, cheers to that. And that's another thing. We don't get to drink beer while we're on the radio. I mean, maybe we should. Yeah, to it make might it a make, little more palatable. Might make it a little more interesting. Goodness that's gracious. That's for sure. It, it, I actually was on the show with Chris Forever, and it was fun. I yeah. mean, it was a fun run. That's actually why we started doing this uh, Firestarters podcast, because we realized the stuff that we were talking about, Chris and I were talking about, was really geared to, to another audience. Absolutely. This yeah. audience. Yep. Yeah. So this is what it is. what is exciting. When we sat down and talked about this a little bit, we said, Let's let's talk to these guys about the capital markets. What the hell is going on out there? Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's your that's your mo, man. Sure. So, giving a little background and some you know a little bit of history, of course. You know, as you mentioned, Rami and I were were business partners. You know, and I work for the the parent partner uh, company, Noble Capital, right? And that's 
our job, if you will, is the capital is to be the capital provider for streamlined funding. That's what we do. And, you know, if you kind of go back into history, this is where you play like the sound effects, like, yeah, that kind of thing. So when we go back into time, you know, when you look at where we came from as a business, Romney was the deal guy. You would find the deals and myself, Chris Ragland, I would go find the money. And it was like that simple, right? And it seems like that was a long time ago, uh, you know. And it sure does. It does. seems like that's a very rear view mirror for us at this point because now we don't do either of those things really. It's, a, it's teams of people that go out and do both of those things. So, yeah, as you mentioned, Romney, over on the noble side, one of the things that we do is, of course, you know, go out and work in what we call the capital markets to create – these capital products that we turn around and provide to streamline and help you guys close the deals that you close on the regular basis every single month. So yeah, capital markets, what the heck is that? You know, it's a broad term for like, hey, all these potential places where you're going to aggregate and create capital flow so that then you can turn around and put that money to work. That's the capital markets, right? So if you were to look at like larger institutional companies, capital markets are these guys that are structuring funds. They're working with like Wall Street. They're working with these big institutional pensions, all of those types of things. That's the capital markets. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you said that Romney was a deal guy and I was getting the money it kind of the the visual that I got was I was on the floor at the New York Stock Exchange and this guy was in a high rise somewhere oh, yeah. and it really was kind of like it that. was kind of like that but well, maybe the deal our listeners thought was like you were the guy talking to somebody but your hand was in my pocket yeah <laughs> <laughs> excuse was, you that was kind of awkward what was the uh, joke that Grady says uh man it does I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat it is that can you say those kind of things on yeah. podcasts oh man yeah. wow so you have to be so careful on the radio you could you could drop f-bombs yeah oh wow really we try not to that's yeah a, that's one thing we try to yeah do. we try not to do that so Chris tell um tell the listeners because they don't know you yet, man. I mean, I think some of the people might be carrying over from the Noble Capital Radio Hour when we did that, but people don't know who you are. And I, I think it's important that they do because you are also kind of the the guy who keeps this thing going, right? Sure. So, yeah. But, but tell, tell them before, don't tell them what you do. It does, that's it's whatever. That's you, so boring. You do so much <laughs> shit. Yeah. Don't, don't tell them what you do. Tell them, um, Tell them how you walked into this opportunity. We've, we've known each other now for almost 10 years. Oh, you want to hear that story? Yeah, give it, give it to us. It's kind of random. Actually, I was uh, just finished doing a bunch of international business consulting, right, through a grad program, actually, at St. Edwards University, where I went to college. And I came back here in Austin, and I was like, you know what? I need to get some domestic clients. I need to have some people here so I can have some home time. And one of the first domestic clients that I had a face-to-face with with the founder of that company was Noble Capital. And it was a really neat opportunity. I met with the founder, who's our other one of our other business yeah. partners. Domestic, not domesticated. Right. Okay. Not very, Speaking we're, of him. Yeah, very, not, not domesticated or domestic. I don't know. Have you seen that guy lately? <laughs> <laughs> the mountain man. <laughs> right. No, but, you know, Jaden Newman is who I'm talking about. He's the CEO and founder of Noble Capital, you know, and for that matter, really streamlined funding yep. too. And, you know, he was like, hey, the market shifted. As you know, we're going through this major restructure. I'm looking for someone to come in and be an operator and to help get this company kind of unfrozen and get it going again. We're talking about 2010. You know, when this my kind of like introduction to Noble Capital. And I thought that was great. I came in here and I met the team. Of course, I got to meet Romney and, uh, you know, a couple of other people that are actually still here. And, and I thought this will be interesting. So we got going. One thing led to another. And, and next thing I know, I'm, I'm, it's been eight years. We were in the those are the dumps those time, man. Those are they tough were, times. We were, we were very transacting, doing some deals. But there was so much. Um, the, the, the industry, the market, everything was just so fractured. I remember when Chris got here and, and I finally felt like maybe this guy's got something. You know, you're always, you're always looking at an outsider, <laughs> sure, like sure. Who the hell sizing is him up. 
Google them, <laughs> you know, send in letters to, to the White House, all these things. And I finally looked up and I was like, I like them. Then I was like, can you help me? Because <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> Bro, that was a tough time. I, ca- I kind of feel like I remember that moment. You know, you were like, basically, it's when you handed me over this packet that you were utilizing to go to, quote, the capital market. Yeah, those aren't the capital markets. <laughs> those were not you're capital markets. No, not at all. I was talking to some dude with some yeah, cash. Yeah, he's talking to like three or four guys down the street that you know. You know, like, <laughs> hey, you want to fund a deal? I got this great deal. You know, that's that's where we started, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought to myself, oh boy, we got a long way to go here. We got to build some systems, processes. And that's it. I'm an ops guy. So I'm the chief operator operating officer for Noble Capital, and, and that really brings us full circle to where we are now. Absolutely. Half a billion dollars later. Cheers to hey, your tea. cheers to that. I'm, Hell yeah. That's right. I am drinking tea, if you caught that. And I am not. I am no. drinking heavily. I'm drinking a, a, Again, a brew of some time. No, we just had Not that I don't party. drink. It's just uh, yeah. I, I have things I have to do later today, unlike uh, other people on the show. I do, too. I have to go home and be a parent. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know why you're medicating. <laughs> Let's be honest. Or not a good parent. It's probably a better way to put it. Dude, so you came in here and we obviously i think we quickly kind of figured it out we bootstrapped it yeah we really did we didn't go out and raise like equity for our business we we were surviving on some very basic revenue still haven't right yeah we still haven't done it yeah we don't crazy no we don't yeah yeah we're we're like it's okay we understand how this works now and yeah we went out and went started to build our sophistication level on the capital markets at a really interesting time talking about 2010 where people with the money were being incredibly careful on where they're going to put that money to work right so yeah yeah romney got to work on the deals and i got to work on the money and we really never looked back you know if you take a step back dude i bet you 20 years from now we'll remember that 20 2009 10 11 time as we were the first guys willing to take a little risk. Yeah, that's Everybody true. was just frozen solid, and we, we thought out a little quicker. Yeah, uh, and I we mean, were able to, you know, convince some real estate investors, you know, guys that we think of as our clients with Streamline, to go out on a limb and do a deal. You know, it's like, hey, I know we're in the bottom of this awful time, but there are deals out there, and we want to we wanna fund your deals. And I was able to go out on the money and say, hey, I know a way to secure your investment, to make sure that you're comfortable, you know, take a bet on us, take a bet on Streamline's client, and we're going to be successful. I'm going to share this too on the air. I think this is cool too. I actually have, and Romney knows this, but I haven't brought it out in like two or three years. It's been that long since I brought it out last time. see where you're going. I saved the hard copy of the first file that you and I closed together. It was either Bastone. It's Bastone. That was it. Damn. That's it. Good, that's great. First guess right there. It was a deal here in Austin, in, yep. in South Austin, where we're, we're located. And um, yeah, yeah, I actually found the file because we were cleaning out a storage room where we keep all of our old files. We have to keep shit for like seven years yep. around here, you know? So it's like, oh gosh. So I was, you know, I put on my work clothes, blue jeans, and going out there with like four other of our like, you know, associate level guys and like having, and go a, sweat it out. having a labor day, you yeah. know? Like a day of, like a real good Not day September of labor. No, no, that's, that, that's a great day to work. <laughs> but uh, no one's here in the office. But uh, yeah, we did. We went the storage unit and I was searching for it and they had no idea what the hell I was looking for. And I finally find this file. I pull it out and I'm like, I'm keeping this one. <laughs> and did you make a big deal out of it and no, nobody no. understood what the hell no, you were saying? I, worse. I was just like, I mean, it was really weird. I was you like, left. this is my file. Yeah. And I just left. So, but I still have it. It's in my, it's in my office. It's up on like my little trophy bookshelf with like all the other cool things that I have in my office. But yeah, I've got that file right there and, and you know, I'm going to hang on to that. That's one. great. You know, it's not in your office. It's What's the that? bottle of Johnny Walker I stole from you. <laughs> You know, whoops! I do get a lot of, I receive many gifts of, uh, you know, uh, alcohol oriented things. And everyone, some people know my favorites and uh, Romney knows his favorites. And, and when I his, when his favorite appears in my office, suddenly it disappears. It's I don't a know. It's timeshare, guys. It is like a timeshare. Oh man. So that first deal was interesting because 
we would do that deal any single day of the week, even today. Oh, even today, so it's a great deal. The, the blueprint worked. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I'll trip everybody out, especially everybody that's in Austin. This is a Circle C deal, right down the middle, and uh, we lent the guy like sixty-five cents on the dollar, sixty-five yeah. LTV. Yep. I don't recall the exact loan amount, but I think we lent him like a hundred and. Fifty six thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, so that means you know, think about do the math. Fast forward. Yeah, how much was that house worth at the time? Oh boy. Yeah, fast <laughs> forward. We would C. probably lend that dude four hundred and fifty thousand dollars today. <laughs> today, no I doubt, because it's the property and still worth be great. We'd be, be fine. Absolutely yeah. okay. So, tell me before we jump into like your expertise, which is the capital markets, because I think that's what people care about. Honestly, that's I, I want people to walk away from the show with like information. Sure. Maybe even start thinking of like one piece of good, just one nugget you could give them. All right. But what was the spark that led you to kind of believe, oh, this might be something special? You know, it was my previous background in doing business consulting, but I also had a lot of background in real estate in general. So I've been a real estate investor since I was you know, in undergraduate college, right, right out of high school. I bought my first house, figured out I could turn it into a rental property, that kind of thing. And of course, I moved out, bought another house, and then turned that one into a rental house. You know, before long, I had my own little portfolio. But where I realized this was an opportunity is because I was working with real estate investors when the credit markets completely froze over in 2008. I'm talking about October 08 into 09, where they literally did not have a program for warrantable condominiums in town anymore. There was there was no one lending whatsoever. It was a completely frozen marketplace that my investor, my kind of client that I was representing at the time, owned a bunch of. And I thought, oh my God, what are we going to do here? Like, we cannot sell these things to anyone. So we, we were literally selling condos and our programs were like, oh yeah, for well-qualified cash buyers. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> What's a well-qualified cash buyer? That? Yeah, it means like anyone, any, anyone with cash, come on play. You know? oh so God. that was terrible, right? What a terrible time. So having gone through that and realizing that the traditional capital markets were frozen and that they could freeze at any time. And then seeing it at a different level, right? But having that investor background coming over and working here with Noble Capital and Streamline Funding and realizing that that problem affected other players too. It wasn't just in the end consumer that was having problems. It was upstream at the investor level who was also needing financing to take down his deal. So, and that was, that's when the kind of light bulb went off for me because most of the investors I'd represented previously were heavy cash guys. Mm -hmm. So they would come in and buy these whole developments with just cash, you know, which blew my mind and, and they didn't need any of the debt. Right. But when I started looking at what we do here and we're like, we're financing these small business owners who are going out and flipping two or three, maybe four or five deals a year at, ma at most. And they needed financing, too. And that, that's when the light bulb went off for me. I thought, wow, there's a place for this. The, the landscape as it kind of exists. For, for all intents and purposes, people need debt to invest in real estate. Sure. For all intents and purposes. Some level, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think if you're listening to the show, you probably need debt to invest in real estate. If you don't need debt to invest in real estate, you're that cash guy, you might want to call Chris. Well, or, or yeah, you might want to give me a call because yeah, maybe I can get you. We got a different yeah. angle. Yeah, but, but even if you're listening to the show and, and you're doing deals and you think, I don't need debt, I have cash... Well, I mean, like, we need to really talk about the value of leverage for you. Hell yeah. You know, that's where it's like, hold on a second. I get where you're coming from, and you don't need as much risk exposure as others, but we probably need to talk about how much more money Man, you could be making. I'm going to tell you about a deal that we're doing now. We we actually are closing today. It's $4 million. Um, this is we, the beauty of the capital markets is, is, you know, right there, just in full display, $4 million. 10 years ago, were we going to do a $4 million deal? Oh, no, no. Never. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so here we are doing deals bigger, better, badder than ever before. 
And um, but I, I'll say there's something else that you missed there, and, and I think you didn't. This might have been another spark because you were privy to the person, to the personality, to the um, archetype, if you will. That that you know, cash borrower. Somebody dropped something outside. Um, that ca- cash buyer, excuse me. But you got here, and then you started talking to millionaires that also needed to invest, but passively. Totally on the other side. You're right. So yeah. the the market need was there. I recognized that, and and you're right. At about the same time, I ran into numerous people that have money, you know, and, and they were completely without a place to put it. Yep. Uh, they, you know, they think about, oh yeah, you're going to go put it in stocks. Like they were like, are terrified of that. Right. So the traditional investment vehicles were also off the table. So suddenly they were looking for, especially when it came to alts, you know, they were like alternatives. They were like, where the hell do I put my money? And we created this vehicle and I thought, wow, I can find, I, I had a, an opportunity to create a new program for people to just invest in. So yeah, you're right. That was the other big thing is, is to me, it's both sides. The spark was, wow, people need debt in real estate investing. And then there are people out there with money just looking for to go somewhere. You know, one of my mentors is a, you know, a PhD professor guy from St. Ed's. His name's Dr. Gary Pletcher. One of the, his, shout out, shout out to Dr. P, right? But he would say, one of his things was, and I'm talking about deep in the heart of the session. He said, I'm telling you right now. And this is a guy who, you know, has years of experience in a broad fields. Like 100. He said, I think something to this effect, the world is awash in cash looking for a place to go. That simple. And he he's totally right. He's still right. He was right then. He's right now. It is. It always is. You just, it's, just, it's just matching is what it is. It sure is, man. And, I, and that's that was actually the point I was trying to make. It was where the two kind of uh, streams, you know, came together. I remember, and I've said it on the show before, the first deal I ever did was for this lady who absolutely needed cash. There was no way on earth she could finance this piece of real estate. But she wasn't a real estate investor. She was a 65-year-old woman who needed to needed a chance. Um, this was the very first deal I ever did in, in hard money, by the way. I'd, I'd been doing a lot of commercial lending and stuff, as you know, before that. But the very first deal was this little old lady, 65-year-old woman. She wanted to buy the house next to her, flip it, turn it into a profit. And I was, I was like, yeah, whatever, lady. Yeah, sure, good luck. Gave her the loan anyway because it was a good it was a good quote unquote asset based deal, um, and I realized immediately um, I, I didn't really pay much attention to this, but at the same time, kind of the parallel track is I'm raising the money for the deal, so I had to talk to the you know to the millionaire. Hey millionaire, do you want to invest a hundred thousand dollars in this little old lady who wants to do this deal? And the millionaire's like, sure. What's my interest rate? And I gave him a, you know I gave him an interest rate and we did the deal, and I was more happy that I got the money for her than than what I did for her. More more. Let me say it another way. I was more happy that I landed the investor than I helped her. Until she called me and said, hey, Romney, I, I, I just sold the house. And then I was like, what? I, I never even processed all the way to the finish line. I sold the house. She turned it into a gigantic profit that was essentially life-changing for this person. Yeah, from, and think about from a cash-on-cash cash ROI for her. Because she pro- probably bought, brought very little to the table very because good. she had a smoking good deal on the equity side, right? Mm-hmm. She bought right. And then you gave her a loan, and then she turned that into a lot of money. Like she, she, her, her ROI was like infinity. It was you know? almost infinity. She brought five, four, or five grand to the table right. in those days, yeah, and she, and very, she walked out with little. sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, think about that. And, and I'm telling you, it was life changing. Probably in like eight months, you know, uh, something like that. Yeah, and, and it was probably enough for her to retire. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot over the maybe you know it's all relative really, but sure. it was enough for her to retire. It was totally life changing. It changed the trajectory of her family. This is a South San Antonio lady who, who great. went and killed it. But at the same time, I remember it's like my original kind of I got excited about giving this guy a nice 10% return on their money. Mm-hmm. And so both those kind of streams collided when you got here. And that was like that ultimate spark. Like there's a marketplace that needs returns, safe returns. And there's a marketplace that needs to go and take some risk and make sure. some big money. And it's like, 
that was it for me, dude. Yeah. That was that was everything. It's very powerful. You're right. So I um let's talk about the let's talk about the capital market. So I'm yeah. here's here's what I'm saying to people right now. It's like there, like Gary said, you know, we were washing in cash. Um, there is so much money that is now controlling a lot of what's going on in our industry of real estate investing. And it is not necessarily Main Street that's, that's you know, the puppet master anymore. We were, we were in that place five, 10 years ago. We were making the rules. Now Wall Street said, eh, I'll step in because I have bigger pockets. So tell, tell people kind of what you think about the capital markets. What's changed in the last five years? Yeah, and I would back up there and say, you know, I'll get back to it. But Wall Street, they're not here because they have bigger pockets. They're here for some very interesting reasons, right? So you're right, a few years ago, not even that long ago. I'm sure. saying like three to five years ago, somewhere in that range of time, there was no institutional investing in this space. When we're talking about private lending, we're talking about fix and flips, spec construction, custom home building. No, that didn't exist just a short while ago. And, you know, as things have kind of changed and this space has grown, there's been enormous amounts of visibility on the space. That's part of what this podcast is about, right? Like more, more people are learning about this space. That really is what over time has kind of created the interest. Right. So there's interest because it's grown, it's got more visible, but simultaneously, and this is what's really important, what's going on right now is Wall Street, if you will, using traditional vehicles, specifically in alternative investments, are having a very difficult time using the tried and true method of what they know to hitting their marks, their yields. They're not achieving the types of returns that they need. There are a lot of investment banks on Wall Street, like the smaller groups, who are having a really difficult time getting their let, returns. Let's also talk about that. Smaller is also relative here. We're talking billion-dollar yeah, groups. When I say smaller investment us. banks, I'm talking about guys that are you know billions of AUM. Yes. That's small, quote-unquote, and they're having a difficult time hitting their yields. Mm -hmm. they, they're just not getting it. So what do they do? They go out to the marketplace, and they start looking around. Hey, what's going on? And so now they're testing, and they a couple of years ago, they said, well, how big is private lending and how much throughput could we get if we brought cheap capital, right? So they're starting to test this out and you're seeing it now. There are these new brands that are popping up all the time that are these guys that are buying paper, that are supercharging. I and mean, you're seeing, you go to any of the trade shows, you come around, you see these new brands that didn't exist three to five years ago. Sure. who are suddenly these giant lenders that quasi-understand private lending. Well, those guys are being fueled by Wall Street because they're yield-hungry. They're really, really starving for returns. And for them, if they're able to hit, you know, 6 7 or 8%, that's great. They'll take that all day as an Huge investor. Christmas bonuses. Huge Christmas They're yeah. loving life over mm -hmm. there, right? And it's, an, it's in an asset class that has security. Like, the, there's underlying real assets. We're not talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about real estate, right? Tangible property. So these banks, these big Wall Street investment banks, are, are loving this yield. They're, they're yield-starved coming in here, and they're just eating it up. And you know what's happening now, too, guys, is... They're now they're now competing for yield, and it's the craziest thing. They came into the space because like, oh, there's a fun little place, right? Hey, we, right. Can, we can find some yield over there, make some nice returns, big Christmas bonuses. And it's like, oh, hold on, everybody's in this space now. Right. So now there's this rate compression, this rate war. Yeah, because their best tool to compete with each other is price. Yes. Right. It's Absolutely. not sophistication. It's not product diversification because they get it. They're, they're good enough. They don't have to worry about that. It's pricing. So that's why you have seen uh, the pricing drop in hard money throughout the country. 
you know, have seen, and in specifically in regions, because Wall Street also, from a real estate perspective, they've, they've earned their chops going through 2008, sure. 9. They go, they're like, hey, I want to lend more heavily here than I do here. But you know what? It's also addictive. You also see them taking risk in certain areas that you would have thought we learned some hard lessons in in the last session. They, they're, again, very yield hungry, so they're greedy and they're going to come after it. And that's why, yeah, that's why we're seeing a big push on the pricing. Look, and you know, it's funny. We are lenders at our core and we're having a conversation about Wall Street uh, compressing our pricing. And you know what, guys, it's actually affecting our business. It's making, it's it's questioning, it's making us question our products, our pricing, our structuring of these deals. Because when somebody comes in with a 7% hard money rate, you know, when Main Street can't meet that, Main Street can't match that. I, we are Main Street. I mean, maybe an institutional grade Main Street, sure. but we can't meet that stuff. No. We can't match that stuff ever. No. And um, and it's funny because now it's like the the tide is slowly starting to, to wash things out and you're starting to see some things kind of happen. They're not going to be here forever. Yeah, so, okay, but, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I so. want to finish this point, though, for Go one for second. It. It's, it's funny, but it's actually hurting our business as a company. But at the same time, it's creating this new opportunity because people are starting to see that it's very unpredictable. It's kind of like they're just taking wild kind of guesses right now in trying to do deals. They, they really are. Yep. Yeah. So you talked about what happens. And by the way, one of the reasons why Wall Street is in this is because they can't find the yield that they're looking for, right? Why, and why can't they? It's because some of the more traditional vehicles to create the yield they're looking for do not exist. Think about interest rates, right? Traditional, where are you looking at the Fed? The Fed has been slowly ratcheting up interest rates. That's caused some problems right now in terms of where we're at in the economy, right? Just today, it's kind of scaring some things. And so now the Fed's slowing down and saying, perhaps we'll only raise rates once in 2019. Whereas just a few short months ago, they were looking at doing more. But you're also looking at all these factors. It's connected. If you if you ask me, like, what's the one thing that's driving this? I would tell you there isn't one. It's a very complex vehicle, right? From politics, international trade, the Fed and the rates. What you know? What are the long-term everlasting effects of some of the tools that we utilize to get us out of the recession? These are things we don't know and can't predict, right? But, the, but what I can tell you is that long-term low rates from the Fed has suppressed Wall Street's ability to earn, and that's why they're out hunting. Well, as rates start to float up, more traditional vehicles come back online for Wall Street, and that's the kind of the unknown, is are they going to disappear? So you've got these guys out here right now just walloping big, big amounts of cash in our space, but it can go away as fast as it came. Yep, it's they could pull the rug from underneath you immediately. And that's what I, I think the, the people that are listening need to understand. The Wall Street money, they say make hay, right? Yeah. Right now, make hay. Right. The sun is absolutely... Right. Make hay while the sun is out. Yeah. And it's shining. Yeah. And um, But it may not shine tomorrow. And I actually had a conversation yesterday. I was at the Williamson County Growth Summit. Fantastic. What's going on here just north of Austin at, at Williamson County. It, the growth is ridiculous, from an economic point One of view. One of the fastest areas in the entire country right now. You know, people don't, it's hard to embrace that sometimes when you're the originals, but um, but listen, this is what's happening, this, what happened once nearby San, uh, San Francisco, nearby Dallas, you know, these are these other counties. What I what I learned from a banker yesterday was, it was real simple. The guy says, look, all, all my chairman cares about is the Fed rate. Yep. Depending on where that goes, Maybe that's how we lock up, that's what we do with our underwriting. That's so right. right now they are frozen shut and they're not paying attention to the other macroeconomic indicators. So 
It, it, there's a I'll, lot going on. I'll, I'll tell you why they are. Like, I'll drop this out there too. You know, I, I talk about some rather academia type things a lot. So give me one there, more. Here's one more, and it's a big one that they're looking at. Let me let me give you this real quick. So you know when you go to the bank and you have some money, this is old school stuff, and you want to put it in a CD. Yep. Right. If you do a three year, five year, ten year, you've seen CDs before. What happens when you go to the bank and you look at the three, five, and a ten, and you're trying to decide? That's a year lockup. What normally happens? I was thinking of my first CD, which was <laughs> Fuji's The Score. Right. I'm sorry. No, what happens is the longer you give them that money, what happens to the yield on it for you? It grows. It goes up, yeah. right? Because you're willing to lock your money up for longer, so they're able to give you a little bit more return. That's how it's supposed to work. Well, there's this really interesting thing, the yield curve, where they look at short-term depository and long-term depository. And right now, they've been getting closer and closer and closer. So for you, the average person, when you look at where am I going to put my money, and you recognize that you're getting the same return on a three year as you are for a 10, what do you do? You just put it in a three, because why would you lock your money up for longer when you're going to get the same rate of return? Well, there's something else that happens and it's called the inverted yield curve where they trade places think about that for just a minute it means that the guys that got the 10-year paper a couple of years ago have less risk than the guy that has the three-year paper because they're paying more on the short-term paper this is like the perfect warning flag for here's the recession because it's basically saying damn i wish i used to have that long-term paper that was locked up guess what it just happened we just had an inverted yield curve so Look it up. You can learn a lot more about it, but uh, there's something crazy going on. The in other that day, spot. I was in the beach in Cabo San Lucas, and there were black flags flying everywhere. And it's it, that's what it just reminded me of. Straight up, a bunch of black flags. Um, Chris, let's wrap this sucker up real quick, man. Um, obviously, we're going to do this a whole bunch. But what's next? What what uh, what are you working on right now? It's going to kind of change the game. We're going to be prioritizing. We've got a lot of interest in some other asset classes that we are really interested in. We're very focused in residential, but we're looking at some other products that we have. So for us, that means money products, which turns into lending products for you at Streamline. That's really exciting. All right. So that's pretty much it. It's funny. I'm going to say a couple of things. Well, we could talk for like 20 more minutes if we needed to. About product? I, got, yeah, I actually anything. would love to talk about products because <laughs> right, that is product the show. biggest thing. Yeah. That's Take good. two. <laughs> Check it out, Chris. Um, again, I appreciate you. You know I do. Um, Dude, it's been up, down, sideways. We've done it all. I mean, really, but it's mostly been a a it's been a welcome journey, straight up. And um, I don't tell you this enough, man, but being you is the greatest. Like you being you is the greatest thing in the world. Straight I, up, dude, really appreciate. That, I, I appreciate you so much. Be, you being you is making me a better me. Well, hey, that's I mean big. That. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, the uh, I don't know what the definition of a fire starter is. <laughs> I've never really looked it up, but I suppose it's probably somebody. Um, who ignites uh, a flame, and you did that around here, man. So you are a fire starter. Cheers to Cheers that, buddy. To you. Yeah, definitely. And one last little surprise. I am your secret Santa. Oh, shit. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cheers, I've been brother. wondering all day where my <laughs> gifts were. Here they are. All right, thanks, Ron. Thanks, I friend. appreciate that. Yep. That's it for this week's Firestarter Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Until then, I'm Romney Navarro. Always keep the flame in your heart, and I'll see you at the top.